0: Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the 74th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson,
0: president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is Obama versus Trump on cybersecurity. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors,
1: we would like to thank our sponsor, SiteLock, the global leader in website security solutions. Learn more about SiteLock at sitelockcom forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, pinow.com. If you need a private investigator you can trust, visit pinow.com
0: to learn more. We're delighted to welcome us today's guest, Keith Lowry, a senior vice president of Nuix specializing in business threat intelligence and analysis. Keith has more than 25 years of experience implementing, managing, and directing insider threat, counterintelligence, and intelligence collection programs. He is a former law enforcement officer and high-technology crime unit detective with the City of San Jose, California, and a United States Navy Mobilized Reservist. He also served as Chief of Staff to the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Human Intelligence, Counterintelligence, and Security at the Pentagon and as an information security consultant in the private sector. Thanks for joining us today, Keith.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here on the Legal Talk Network, and it's a great topic, something that I'm very excited about, so I'm looking forward to our discussion.
1: Well, let's start from a more general question before we drill down. How important is cybersecurity today from a government perspective?
2: You know, it's kind of an interesting question because so many people want to understand the importance, but all you have to do is pick up a newspaper. Think about the OPM hit and how many people, 21 million people for the government were affected by one cybersecurity incident. It's extremely important. In fact, in my opinion, it's probably the most important thing that the government has to deal with. Look at the last election. You could say that the election was possibly altered by someone who had a very poor cybersecurity posture. And an insider threat. So I think it's extremely important.
0: So, Keith, can you tell our listeners about some of the key components of a good cyber security program?
2: Sure. The basic three things that people need to do is, first, agencies have to uh, appoint a senior official who's in charge of the entire cybersecurity program. The second thing they need to do is be able to look at this not only from a technical perspective, but include in there the human perspective. Too many agencies avoid the human piece and try to solve their problems or attack it from purely a technical perspective. And that is short-sighted. And the last thing they need to be able to do is, is write good policies that support the posture that the agency wants to take in regards to cybersecurity and insider threats.
1: Well, we gave President Obama eight years in office. So how did he change cybersecurity in his eight years as president?
2: He did some interesting things. The first major thing that he did was create the insider threat definition and establish the insider threat task force. It, in my opinion, didn't go far enough because it was only for government agencies. And so All the work that they did, all that good work, couldn't be shared with corporate America or the private sector, and the private sector felt excluded. So it's very difficult to get the private sector to share their information. He also did some things that were very good. He created the Cybersecurity Advisory Commission. He also created the Computer Security Information Sharing Act of 2015. Those are all good things. He also appointed a chief computer information security officer for the U.S. government. Those are all interesting and good steps, but I don't think his administration really captured the essence of the threat. And so I think some of the things that he did did not encompass what needed to be done in order to uh, have a good cybersecurity program.
1: Tell us what you mean by the essence of the threat.
2: The essence of the threat is just as I talked about at the beginning, should we have uh, you know how important it is for the government to have a cybersecurity program. Let's talk back just for a moment to the OPM incident. Most people don't realize that it's been labeled as a hack, it's been labeled as a a weakness in the firewall, a technological issue, but the OPM attackers were inside the OPM system for over a year. And To me, that's just totally amazing that our government allowed somebody to roam around inside of a highly important set of data for a year, and they weren't able to recognize it or stop it. So that's kind of the threat that we're talking about. People do not recognize that this is not some esoteric threat. This is a real threat that is out there that people are going to come and take Whatever critical value data you have or alter it or delete it or hold it for ransom, that's the kind of world we're living in.
0: Hmm. Well, Keith, at the conclusion of Obama's term, do you think Americans have less privacy? And I know there's some criticism that's going around about whether or not he made the right calls when balancing threats and privacy.
2: I believe that you can respect privacy... At the same time, putting together policies and processes that will enhance our security posture. And by that, I mean, you know, I'm not an attorney, but, but you can put together a policy that allows people to look at things like systems audit and monitoring and define that from a standpoint of it's not delving into privacy issues. And then compare and contrast it with user audit and monitoring, which does then have the ability to go in and start looking at individual and privacy issues. But if you begin to put the program together with sound policies, you don't ever get to the user audit and monitoring unless you have reasonable suspicion or probable cause, to use a legal term.
1: Well, speaking as a lawyer, we have some difficulty understanding exactly how the balance can be applied when courts who make those decisions in secret. You mentioned a number of things that you thought that President Obama did well, maybe not enough. But if you had to give him a grade on cybersecurity, what would that grade
2: be and why? I would give him a C. And let me back up and defend it first, and then I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, I give him a C because he he did what I would think any administration should do at a minimal. But he didn't understand, or somebody on the administration didn't understand, the danger that exists out there and the threats, as a given example for the OPM. If people truly understood that anything that's electronic or digitally stored is susceptible to being attacked, then the posture they would take would be something different. And I, for one, have even said that in this particular environment that we live in, we're in the digital world. The digital defenses, to me, is so important that it it could even deserve a cabinet-level position because it affects everything and everyone, and all the information that we have is susceptible to it. So, to me... Giving a CISO is important. Putting together a commission is important, but it doesn't go far enough to protect us because it doesn't recognize the threats and the various threats and position the government to protect against them.
0: Well, we really don't know where President-elect Trump is going to go with all of this, but he has reversed himself on, on some things that he said during his campaign. And do you have any sense as to how he's going to handle cybersecurity in his term?
2: You know that's a good question, and i'm I'm not a good uh, prognosticator for the future. Uh, <laughs> you don't have a crystal ball, Keith? <laughs> no. Um, but I have picked up a couple of things that you know, kind of raised my eyebrows to say, maybe he does understand the threats. And one of them, and again, this is pure speculation on my part, but the fact that the name Mike Rogers has been floated, who's the head of NSA, and the cyber command has been floated, to be the director of national intelligence, whether or not that's you know political dancing or not, the fact that that name has been floated tells me that he really understands that he needs to get someone who understands the threat to have them start digging into what's the best possible path forward. So that's one indicator. Another indicator that I think he understands is that he is going to the private sector and not necessarily getting, uh, he's getting people who have good private sector experience as well as government experience. And truly, that's what this needs. The cyber threats can't be just divided between government and private sector, because the threat is the same no matter where you go. And truly what he needs to do is, by going out into the private sector, it looks to me like he is trying to get the best people he can to solve the problems. And that's what's needed. It's a combination of government and private sector. Because if you try to do it Mm. government alone, it will never be successful, in my opinion.
0: Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break.
1: At least 80 of the 100 biggest law firms in the country have been hacked since 2011. Protect your firm and your clients from cyber attacks with SightLock. Their industry-leading, cloud-based suite of website security solutions includes website scanning, web application firewall, including DDOS mitigation, and 24 7 365, U.S.-based customer support. Give your firm and your clients peace of mind knowing their information is secure. Learn more at sitelock.com forward slash legal forward slash digital detectives.
0: including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com.
1: Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today our topic is Obama versus Trump on Cybersecurity. Our guest is Keith Lowry, a senior vice president of NUICS, specializing in business threat intelligence and analysis. Keith, what do you think the focus of the cybersecurity program will be for the new administration?
2: You know, I don't know what it will be. Again, I'm not a good prognosticator, and I can't read uh, my own mind, much less uh, a political uh, potential political mind. But I can tell you what I think he should do. And we've touched on it before in the previous segment, which is this is such an important topic and it covers such an important array of issues that I think it deserves a look at expanding the cabinet level influence. I think that appointing a federal CISO was a great thing, but if you look at this from a CISO or uh, too many CISOs, look at this from a technical perspective and don't look at it from a threat perspective. And they think they can solve it with a new piece of technology. But unfortunately, the world is uh, doesn't work that way in these threats because the threats aren't technological threats. They're human threats that use technology to accomplish their goal. So that would be the first thing. It's just raise the awareness and raise the influence within his administration. Another thing that, that I think he should do is Create a breach notification standardization within the government, and then make sure that people stick to it. One of the things we talked about briefly with the OPM case was that it actually, to my understanding, there were two incidents. One of them was something that they were watching for several months. But while they were watching for several months, there was a second one that was going through and collecting all of the data and sending it out. And nobody notified anybody, except for the FBI who came and said, let's watch it somewhere. I also believe that he should, again, engage private sector expertise, because it's really hard to get really good expertise and house it strictly within the government. So in addition to what Obama did, I think he should expand these commissions and put together an organization that even resides outside of the intelligence community. Because so much of what goes on, goes on in the non-intelligence world. Right now, the Insider Threat Task Force and some of the other things that he has done are inside of the intelligence community, and that restricts their knowledge and being able to share that with the rest of the country. The other thing that I think is important is recognizing the threat is not just external, and it's not technological, it's human-based. And there's a lot of ways to go for people to look at that human-based information and develop programs and policies that recognize that. So that's what I think the focus should be. Now, whether or not the new administration does that is, hey, up in the air.
0: Well, Keith, you talked about, you know, whether or not the new administration should expand upon the things that Obama did. But do you think that Trump will try to undo anything that uh, Obama's administration did?
2: Another good question, my gut feeling is that there's not a whole lot that needs to be undone because there wasn't a whole lot that was done. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's that perspective again. (laughs) Um, From a technological standpoint, this committee that he established is a great step forward. Unfortunately, the majority of the people who were picked for the uh, cybersecurity advisory committee, they had... Very few people that had cybersecurity knowledge on that committee. It was a committee that was established as a good step, but it didn't have the right makeup, in my opinion. So that's one thing that I think it should change, but not necessarily undo. I also like the fact that Obama put in a CISO. Now, I'll just briefly switch roles here for a second. In my role to go off and talk to corporate America, I constantly tell corporate America, do not put cybersecurity underneath a CISO or underneath the IT department, because then it gets commingled with people who think technology can solve the problem. And that needs to change. It needs to be altered. It needs to be elevated above that. So when I go into a corporation, I'll tell them, you should put a cybersecurity czar on your board. And you should have the CISO and the Insider Threat Program have all of those things report directly to the board. So if we translate that to the government, that's why I think it should be at the cabinet level position. That kind of influence needs to be brought to bear on this problem. It's not something that's going to go away, and it's something that's increasing every single day. One other thing I'll talk about is that when he put together the Insider Threat Task Force Once again, I'll say that he made it government-centric, and that was one of the biggest frustrations I had when I worked in the government, was that how do we get corporate America involved in this to get the expertise? Their answer was, well, they can just give us the information, but because it was connected to the intelligence world, no information flowed out. So there wasn't a good methodology for exchanging of information. And unless he takes it outside of the intelligence community, Now, it doesn't alter the intelligence community's job, and it doesn't alter their role and responsibility, but it opens it up so that we get expertise from where expertise truly resides.
1: Well, I think one of the things that a lot of folks have worried about, and at least expressed concern that there might be something to fret about, is the fact that the president-elect and his family have strong ties to Russia, particularly financial ties. Do you think that that might have any impact on how Russia is treated when it comes to being a cybersecurity threat?
2: Wow. Let's let's separate politics from reality, I guess. Um, <laughs> is that possible? No.
1: Uh, no, no, unfortunately. We can't even separate it from reality TV. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I have read the same material and – regardless of who won the election, there was going to be this question of foreign influence. So just setting that aside for a second, yes, I firmly believe that whoever, you know, in this case, President-elect Trump, should not be influenced by foreign connections in his private business. Just like I didn't think it was proper to have foreign contributions go into a fund, either one of those things are, are not good. But what really is the point here is if the president-elect understands the threat, and some of it comes from Russia, some of it comes from China, some of it comes from Iran and around the globe, and individual actors, some of it's coming from organized crime, some of it's coming from individual people. I think that they have to keep in mind that it doesn't matter where the threat comes from, they have to deal with it. So do I believe Trump can separate himself? Sure, he can do that. Will he do it? That's uh, one to look back and ask me again in two years.
1: I'll look forward to that Monday morning quarterbacking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the end, how do you think the Obama approach and the still as yet to be determined Trump approach is going to be judged by historians?
2: In case you haven't noticed, I'm quite opinionated on this topic.
0: (laughs) Well, then you fit in well with this crowd, Keith.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And to me, no one... Other than the military, and that is a separate discussion, but no one in the general government, the non-Title 50 side of the government, and no one within the administration so far, and the upcoming administration, other than just giving some outside signals, has really come forward and said, cybersecurity and insider threats is a huge problem, and we need to be very serious about how we do that. So until until we actually get our arms around that, and I don't know what it's going to take to motivate it. Is it going to take another two or three OPMs? Let me just give you a quick thumbnail. One of the things that I used to do was counterintelligence risk assessments of agencies within the government. And everything I'm going to say here is unclassified. You can read in the papers. But one of the things that astounded me was that in the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. Their budgets, you know, roughly around a trillion dollars a year, and they publicly state that their loss to fraud is estimated at sixty billion with a B a year. And I'm just amazed that nice. <laughs> that that's just hey, we lose sixty billion to fraud. So on one of my questions, I said to the seniors there, "Well, what if I showed you that?" 10 million of that went to support ISIS, or 10 million of that went to support a foreign intelligence service. And they gasped, said, how could you know that? I said, if you're telling me you're losing $60 billion a year and you don't know where it goes, then you have to assume that bad people are doing bad things with that money. So to me, the judgment is going to come only in retrospection. And that will be, it's going to happen again. Are we going to be prepared Are we going to be able to look and say we've got our arms around the problem? I'll give you another kind of an interesting, uh, in the commercial world, the time frame between when an event occurs and the time the organization recognizes the event has occurred is, generally speaking, in the banking world, about six months. In the non-banking world, it's about a year, and that fits right in with the OPM event, That it went on for a year, somebody was rooting around inside of their system for a year and they didn't know it. And unless and until the government recognizes the threat and develops programs and policies that shortens the timeframe between the event occurring and the recognition where you can begin to fight it and stop it, until that timeframe can shrink significantly, I will say that they're going to fail, but it's going to take a lot of work to get there.
1: Well, we'll have to uh, bend our elbows somewhere in a pub and look back at this after a couple of years, because I think it'll take some time to play out. But Keith, we sure want to thank you for being with us today and for lending your expertise to the discussion. I think that there's a a lot of concern about what may happen in the future. Cybersecurity certainly is on people's mind. And although we know what Mr. Obama did, we don't yet know what Mr. Trump will do. and, And that has a lot of people worried. But what's great, is that you've given a really balanced view of the two gentlemen and what may or may not happen. And all we can do is project. We know what one guy did, but we don't know what the other guy will do. And so you did a really nice job of drawing those lines for us. And we very much appreciate your taking the time to be with us today.
2: And thank you very much for the invitation. And, uh, yep, let's go tilt some uh, elbows in a, in a cup. <laughs> A couple of years, and let's uh, come back and see how well we prognosticated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're you're on, my friend. You're on. Okay.
0: Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please review us on iTunes.
1: And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and security services at SENSEIENT.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives.
0: Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.